Right, right. You know, it's like, I know, I know the listening audience, you're like, here we go again, but we tired of hearing, we, let's, one thing you remember, listening audience, we are tired as well. Yeah. Saying, here we go again. So if you are collectively tired and we are collectively tired, what are we willing to do together? That's what this really boils down to. What are we willing to do together? Talk about what you got going on. I promise you, Brian gonna call the police tonight. You gotta talk to me, alright? Can't do it like this. But before you call the police, what else can he do? I'm dead. This is BP. Welcome to Building Bridges. Bridges. Black Man. 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 Let's so let's jump to this article we got here from uh, April. I believe this is April the seventeenth. We got a situation happening um, in Missouri. Mm -hmm, Kansas City. The Show Me State. It's called the Show Me State. Shout out to Kansas City. Got family there. All right, so uh, you want to introduce this article here? This is is in The Guardian, uh, April the 17th. Yeah, and it says, Police charge white man for shooting black teen boy who had the wrong address. Think about that. Without even getting to the story, I had the wrong address. And again, you know, know, opening of articles could have said, you know, um, late at night. I'm sure the story is going to speak to a lot of it more in context. But please charge white man for shooting black teen boy who had the wrong address. And I'm going to read just the first paragraph. White homeowner in Kansas City, Missouri, has been charged with armed assault after he shot a black teenager who rang his doorbell by mistake. See if you caught that word. Authorities announced on Monday. Andrew Lester, 85, is also facing a charge of armed criminal action after shooting Ralph Yarrow, 16, twice on Thursday. Not once, twice, good Lord. Teenager, a high school junior, was going to pick up his younger twin brothers from a play date when he went to the wrong address. Zachary Thompson, the prosecuting attorney, announced the charges late on Monday after intense local protests and widespread outrage over the police decision to briefly detain Lester before releasing him without charges. No charges. Initially, no charges. So what? Did he he got taken. He got to take into uh, the hospital, or he, or he didn't. He didn't pass away. Did he? He survived this. He survived. Okay. He survived. He took, he took a bullet to the head. Mm. Huh. Next, our next paragraph said, Lester was not in custody early Monday evening, but there was a warrant out for his arrest, Thompson said. Charging documents said that Lester came to the door when the doorbell rang and then shot the boy in the head before shooting him again, and that no words were exchanged before he opened fire. So, <laughs> so regardless of whether you live in a home or an apartment or even if you live in a mobile home, I don't care what it is, you, someone just, normal process, let, let, me, let me retract that. We are taught when we go to someone's house to either ring the doorbell or knock on the door waiting for somebody to welcome us. This young man wasn't even welcome. The first thing he was received was two shots, one to the head, I think it said one to the arm. No words were exchanged. So this, this speaks to what, what we talk about in regards to, one, the threat 
that we appear to be to people. Yeah. I'm not just going to say white people, just to people. We appear to be a threat. Um, we just appear to be a threat. And I don't know where that comes from. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of like if um, if you saw a bear come up to your house, if you saw a wild dog who was had rabies or something, you automatically see it as a threat. And you would think, oh, yeah, let me shoot it or let me try to uh, attack it in some way to prevent it from attacking me. But this is a teenage boy who is 16 ringing the doorbell, knocking on the door. That's it. And seen as a threat so much, you just open fire. Mm-hmm. And I like the thing you said when you mentioned two things, a bear, a rabid dog. But it seems in context, people just look at us, period, as a threat. Yeah. Do you look at a poodle as a threat? Do you look at a small dog, five pounds, just walking down the street as a threat? So a 16-year-old kid, a 12-year-old kid, 10-year-old kid, black kids of color are just seen as a threat. Hmm. And I think that's, that's what we're trying to obviously do here is help people understand that every kid, particularly black boys, are not a threat. Yeah. But how do we help, how do we help the listening audience move from looking at kids of color as a threat to looking at black boys as just an individual person? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, and that's trying to attack the whole issue with society in general. I mean, that's, and that's pretty big. We mm-hmm. talk about movies and television, uh, even the perception that we, I mean, we talked about this before. We do it to ourselves so much. Indeed. That they <laughs> just think we're just violent. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but like we, like our, our statement about before calling the authorities, you know, what else could be done in this situation, he took it upon himself to be the authority and just execute. Yeah. Itself. Right. Right. So what experiences, regardless of what experiences that he had, let's say he's always had negative experiences and maybe he fit, he fit, he's from a frame, frame of mind like, hey, this is all I've experienced. I've always seen black boys as threats, so I'm going to operate in this manner. Yeah. But let's say for the sake of discussion, that's not what he's seen. And I ain't giving him the benefit of the doubt. He's not getting the pass. Again, your door to your home is a first point of security. All you have to do is say, who is it? Yeah. If you got a eye hole that you can look out, but no not, no part of the article mentioned that he, he looked in the eye hole. I don't know how this man distinguished this was a black boy on the other side and decided to shoot it. Yeah. But regardless if he had an eye hole, he looked at the eye hole and said, it's a black boy, what made you think I should just shoot? The devil's advocate is... Because I could already hear it from certain news channels. Well, he maybe he didn't do it because he was a black boy. Maybe he was just felt threatened. It was nighttime or something. So how, how do we, you know, can we hear that all the time? Yeah. Well, yeah. how we yeah. know it's racial? Yeah. You know. Right, right. <laughs> and that's true. But again, if we live, if this is our lens, at my age, your age, this is our lens. This is what we know. So a lot of people are like, here we go again with the race thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 totally, I totally hear what you're saying. But again, until you walk in our shoes, yeah. until you feel these sort of stories, you're not going to really fully understand it. So it's yeah. always you responding from the outside looking in versus us being in it <laughs> and on a daily basis wondering, this could happen to me or to my child. 
getting shot all of a sudden right. with no warning. Yeah. But we do continually hear it, continue to see it from our young black boys. Yeah, true. So let's look at let's look at another part of the story. It says Yarl, a young man, 16, was recovering at home after being released from a Kansas City hospital on Sunday where he was being treated for gunshot wounds to his head mm. and his chest, his family said. Lee Merritt, an attorney for the family, told the Guardian that Yarl suffered a fractured skull, a traumatic brain injury involving swelling, post-concussive syndrome, and injuries to his arm. The family is elated that Ralph didn't succumb to his injuries, but now they are angry about the failure of the justice system to show any value or appreciation of his life. Merritt said in an interview on Monday morning before the charges were announced. Kansas City police had insisted earlier that they could not take further action until they spoke to the seriously injured boy. Mm. And, and going next is uh, a response to my devil's advocate. We have uh, Benjamin Crump saying, it is inescapable not to observe the racial dynamics here. Dynamics here. Yeah. We, can, we, we don't live in a space where we can escape this. Yeah. We can't look at things other than the lenses that we have been given based on the color of our skin. I mean, we just can't. We can't get out of that. So like you said, all everything you look at from a racial component. Tell me things we can't look at from a racial component. Yeah. I mean, what? You, what? you can't. I mean, <laughs> you show me something that, to, yeah. to job to to the justice system, to banking, to educate, higher education, education, yeah, it, everything, yeah. <laughs> food, right, right. You know, eating our uh, uh, access to fresh fruits and vegetables. I mean, all that through racial, <laughs> right, right. You know, it's like I know, I know the listening audience. You might hear we go again, but we tired of hearing we. Let's one thing to remember, listening audience, we are tired as well. Yeah. Saying, here we go again. So if you are collectively tired and we are collectively tired, what are we willing to do together? That's what this really boils down to. What are we willing to do together? And this is only a few, only a few months ago. Yes, this is and April. And later on, we see in this article, it does say a, a quote. It harkens back to Trevon Martin, uh, Ahmad Aubrey, and so many others. Um, same cycle, same issue. Yeah. So, that, so, that's, so that's why we're saying... Before you call the authorities, before you take it upon yourself to be the authority, the ex, the, the judge, jury, and executioner, what else could be done? Yeah. In this situation, he could have said, like you had just said uh, earlier, what do you want? Who are you? Yeah. What do you want? Get away from my door. Anything. Yeah. And I guarantee that young man would probably say, hey, I'm here to pick up my twin brothers. Yeah. And he can simply say, you're at the wrong house. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. There you go. Even if, the young, even if the guy, the shooter would have said, what address are you looking for? If the young man said, such and such and such and such, he could say, oh, it's the next house over. Yeah. But see, we, we're not even willing to have a dialogue before we move toward, again, looking at an individual as a threat and then making a decision to eliminate the threat. Yeah. We got to want to do better. We got to want to do better. A lot of a lot of people listening may not say, "Well, I'm not the person that would just shoot a, a teenage boy," and and that may be true. So this is for everybody listening. This may not be something you might be dealing with. That you because think about it. If you call the police, it's like you calling this same guy. 
Because how many times have the police been called on the young boy and they end up getting shot because of the call? Exactly. Exactly. So even if it's not your hand doing the shooting, if you call the authorities, you're calling someone who has not only the weapon, but the authority to do it. And I get it. I mean, think about think about what we say. It's like part of it is what can we do initially instead of calling the police. And I get it. Sometimes it's hard to want to get involved for fear of what could happen to you. Uh, just from just from a day to day experience, I'm tired. I know something's. I just want to get home. Doesn't apply to me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We've all done it. I've done it. But if we also say these buzz terminologies quote-unquote, a teachable moment. There's a lot of moments that are teachable that we can do something just in regards to if you can't involve in a, if you don't involve yourself in a situation, but let's say you read this article with your family. Teachable moment. Break the article yeah. down and have a discussion. Like, what, what could we have done if we walked up on that situation? Or if our neighbor said, got some interesting kids moving to the neighborhood. What do you mean by interesting? Be able to have those hard sort of conversations to break down things just simply by changing a mindset or a shift in how a person thinks can be a situation that can change some or save somebody's life. And I think that's what we're not willing to do is really have hard conversations in um, to things again and dealing with black boys. Yeah. You know, we just don't. We just, and if you don't know how, that's what the first thing is. You mean just I don't know how to do it. And I respect that more than saying, well, I don't want to do anything. You not doing anything is dangerous. Yeah. You're not doing anything is dangerous. Yeah. And I mean, and from an ethical standpoint of being just a good human being, you want to at least uh, take that moment and, and say, what can I do? I mean, I mean, it goes to, because that goes to a deeper part about not just, you know, we talk about race, ethnicity, but if you, if you are not a, a, a black man or a black boy and you say, well, what, what's got to do with me? Well, you're human. That's it. And if, and if you see other humans going through issues that you may not be facing, you may not, your son might not be facing, your husband might be facing, but as a human, what can I do? And and that's all we're that's all we're saying. Yeah, that's all we're asking it to. Think of it, let's, let's say for example, we're not even talking about this particular article or articles in general, but you see something on TV, you hear a song that moves you. There's a human piece about you that's going to be some sort of emotion that's going to be let out. So you you watch a movie on TV. You watch children who are suffering in other countries. You feel yeah. like, wow, I wish I could get involved. But right here in your own backyard, there's situations that, again, we could take advantage of and step in, but we don't do it sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a reason behind that. And I think, again, for us who don't get involved, um, that you've got to ask yourself why I don't do it. You know, I still question myself daily. There's things I could be doing more. Um, yeah. But things that you could be doing and want to make a difference – just do it. Like Nike says, just do it. You know, you may not get a pass. Somebody might tell you, thank you. Oh, great job. If you're looking for those sort of acknowledgments, then you may not do it. But just do it because it's the right thing to do. Yeah, the right thing to do. Yeah. yeah. And to close this out, this article here, um, we got towards the end of this article, it was saying that they live in the same neighborhood. They may see him at the grocery store or around the corner, referring to the, the man that, that shot him. And that caused a lot of anxiety and fear among the family of this young, young boy. Being in the same neighborhood, same community. S same it's, neighborhood. Don't be, yeah, same neighborhood. Yeah. If, you, if you live in a community like, well, you got a, a community swimming pool, HOA fees, meetings. 
you could be in the same space with this person. Yeah. And well, what, what fear do you have? Fear. You don't understand. Historically, there's a fear that we have in regards to being shot for no apparent reason other than the color of our skin. Yeah. So do the right thing when you have the opportunity and do the right thing because you just should. <laughs> you should just do the right thing. And no shade, no judgment. I'm trying to get better at it. But when it comes to stories such as this where, we, where you can just see story after story after story, pretty soon you're either going to turn an eye or you're going to say, I need to get more involved. Yeah. At least ask yourself before you call the authorities, before you take it upon yourself to be authorities, what else can be done? Okay, Daddy, you're a Daddy, just make some dinner.